Hello, beautiful humans. Welcome to another episode of Role Models, Juicy Conversations with Beautiful Humans. I'm Jennifer Norman, founder of the Human Beauty Movement and your host. This podcast thrives on your support, so if you like what you hear, follow us, rate us, review us, share this episode with everyone you know across your networks. So a lot of you know that I exist on this planet to inspire more self-love, and I started this podcast to provide examples and representation of self-love and radical self-expression. Loving yourself gives you permission to love your body, enjoy your body, and have fun with your body. So I couldn't be more delighted to present to you my fabulous guest. Pearl Noir is the Black Burlesque Queen. Known as Mama Pearl in the burlesque community, she is a paragon of glitz and glamour who advocates for people to reclaim their bodies and their sensuality. She created a program called Healing Through Seduction that teaches you how to honor your desires with no shame and no guilt. Welcome, Pearl. Goodness, hello, beautiful people. I'm so excited. Hi, hi, hi. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I am fascinated and intrigued by you. You have to tell me how you got into burlesque and how you knew that this was your calling. Well, I am so proud to say with my chest, with my heart chakra wide open, with my throat chakra activated, that I am descendant of Josephine Baker. I am the reincarnation. She chose me to use burlesque to heal seven generations forward and back and to help heal the world. I was chosen. I didn't choose the game. The game chose me. Right. We got here. That's the gist of it. But the story behind all of that is I found myself back with my high school sweetheart after September 11th. I was in Vegas telling myself that my five foot three self would be a showgirl. Bless my heart. Bless my little precious short heart. I was like, I'm going to Vegas to be a showgirl with no dance training from the ghetto. It, It just... I'm going to be short and I'm going to do it. And I I did not, but I ended up singing for a lounge band. And then September 11th happened. And so, of course, tourism went down. And so I was like, okay, where are we going to go now, Carmen San Diego? And I found myself in New Orleans. And while I was there, I just was led to this newspaper. And I was like, oh, let's see what the one ads have to say. Maybe they've got some kind of show I can audition for. And lo and behold, this beautiful Black woman named Jeannie Hatt, aka Alicia Miller, she had an all-Black burlesque musical called Backstage at the Funky Bee. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, okay. And I had heard about burlesque, but I wasn't really familiar with it. I go to the audition. I get the part of Lolly Fadici. Lolly Fadici was an ex-burlesque queen turned like crackhead stripper hoe, okay? <laughs> with her <laughs> abusive boyfriend named Tron. And so I did this amazing show and like th- this woman was amazing. She is amazing. She wrote all of the music and I helped with the choreography and And while doing the research, that's when Josephine spoke to me. So I, you know, I needed to dive deep into the history of burlesque and more specifically Black burlesque. And what was troublesome was there wasn't much to find. (laughs) I was like really devastated. But of course, Josephine Baker was everywhere. And looking at her pictures, like looking at her in Blackface on one photo and flipping it over and seeing her in the castle, Mm -hmm. I just was blown away. That was this person's life story. Mm -hmm. And like the pages just spoke 
to me and I was like, oh my God, I think this is me. And I think I'm supposed to honor her legacy. And after I finished that musical, I ended up auditioning for another burlesque show on Bourbon Street called Bust Out Burlesque. And I got a chance to perform at the world famous House of Blues. When I went into that audition, it was me and I was the only black woman there except mm-hmm. for the black choreographer. And she took one look at me and said, that's a diamond in the rough. That's a star. And the rest is history. So I started training with her and found myself all over the world, including like the Sydney Opera House, having one of the first burlesque reviews in Asia. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> and here we are. I hope I answered that question. You sure did. And I would love to be able to help enlighten people who might not be as familiar with burlesque. You've probably seen it, the fishnets, the costuming, the regalia. But what is it that specifically differentiates burlesque versus maybe other <sighs> forms of performance or dance? One thing, one like the most important thing that makes it different is that everyone's going to answer the question differently. Every burlesque performer and icon or queen or king that you talk to is going to answer it differently. And that's what I love, right? It's not like ballet where everyone's going to say the same thing. Mm-hmm. And so for me personally, a lot of people think about burlesque being about kind of an exaggerated celebration of femininity. You know, for some people, it's about body positivity and which I must say for me, it was body positivity as well. I started my body positivity journey. But for me, body positivity had nothing to do with my shape, but mm-hmm. the color of my skin. Uh, Growing up in the South, being told that I was too dark. So I had to learn to fall in love with something I'll never be able to change, right? And so it can be about that. But for me, it's about having the luxury of not being performative. Mm-hmm. The way I present burlesque and the way I teach it is for you to go in, not showing your pasties, but showing your heart. Mm-hmm. Having the courage to be still, to try truly be seen, having the courage to really look at people in the eyes, to have this moment of intimacy that has nothing to do with the pressure of giving or receiving an orgasm, the Mm -hmm. kind of intimacy that we actually are looking for, that we mistake as being horny and we want to have sex. No, you just want someone to see you. Mm -hmm. And so for me, what makes burlesque different is that you can perform without being performative. Mm -hmm. You don't need to rely on counts. I teach people to breathe through it. I teach people to, instead of creating choreography to create moving affirmations. Wow. So rather than it being a show or a performance for somebody else's entertainment, this is really a way for you to step into your body and embrace everything that that means from a sensual perspective. Is that right? Yeah, that's my approach. And like I said, if you interview someone else, they'll have a totally different answer, which that in itself is what makes burlesque different. Right, right. And I love that you have taken this to that next level, because certainly with your embodiment of the queen herself, Josephine Baker, God rest, you know, you know, she's just inspired so many and she lives on through the essence and the performances and the embodiments of so many, including yourself, which is lovely. And what an honor to carry on that legacy for sure, for sure. But you do help teach others how to heal through seduction. And so tell me how you essentially are helping people to learn how to step into their seductive selves and strip away shame, strip away intimidation or feelings of discomfort. I'm so happy you asked that. So I teach people to do exactly what I did, right? And the journey of healing through seduction, the first thing is understanding that I'm not going to ask you to do anything that's for someone else. Again, going back to the, we're not going to perform. I want to teach people the importance of consent and boundaries when we're thinking about seduction. 
it's always, I think people think of seduction as, yeah, like something you're going to do to get something mm -hmm. in return from other people. And I'm asking the question, what are you giving to yourself? You know, logically, we know we have to eat and drink water every day or we will die. And I'm asking, why don't we trust that we have to do the same thing for our spirit, especially when it comes to sensuality? And my approach is to also kind of change the conversation on sensuality and seduction, again, to where it is not for other people. So for example, one of the things I love to do in my classes is ask people to bring out a vibrator. Of course, naturally, everyone's like, oh, we're going to masturbate. And I'm like, no, we're going to activate our throat chakra and our heart chakra and our third eye with this vibrator first so that we can kind of learn what sensations actually feel good to us instead of always thinking of seduction being about our genital area. Mm -hmm. We are so much more than that. Mm -hmm. and, and seduction should be a very beautiful, quiet, intimate conversation with ourselves first. And it will also help us be better friends and lovers, So especially lovers. So when you actually spend time seducing yourself with things like, I like to call it poetry, but the term that we're all used to is affirmation. So mm -hmm. when you are actually in the habit of speaking kindly to yourself, you won't be so distraught mm -hmm. if you don't hear certain things when you walk down the street. You won't be distraught if you don't get certain things. And when you take time actually touching your body and maybe even saying things like yes or no out loud, that gets you in the habit of practicing consent and practicing boundaries with self mm -hmm. so that it's easier to tell other people yes and no. And when you actually know what you like, when you've actually dated yourself, you won't be an awful lover. And what I mean by that is you won't punish people for not knowing something that you yourself don't even know about your body. Mm, very good point. <laughs> It's like, well, you didn't give me an orgasm. Well, did you give yourself an orgasm before they arrived to your boudoir? <laughs> did you give anyone any instructions on what you needed? Or did you play along and pretend to be someone else because you've been taught that it's all about snagging someone else. It's mm -hmm. all about getting that job, getting that lover. But there's always going to be a void regardless of how much money you make, regardless of how many children you have, regardless mm -hmm. of your partner or partners until you are in the habit of being kind to yourself and asking yourself why you might feel guilty for being kind to yourself, there's always going to be a disconnect. I hope that made sense. Cause you know how, you know, you speak and you're like, it makes sense to me, but I yeah. hope it's making sense y'all. Yeah. But just to clarify, I think that for a lot of people, there are certain terms or phrases that dance around the same area. And one of them is like seduction, sensuality, erotica, sex, of course, and sexuality. And yeah. so when we talk about the idea of seduction, I think that people think about like that tease or that enticement or that temptation. It's almost like the game part of it. I think yeah. it's like getting the hook into it. Whereas I think erotica or eroticism, they think about fetishing or this idea of maybe art form, which yeah. has to do with sex and sexuality, but it yeah. doesn't necessarily get, you know, it's not necessarily in either case about the orgasm. You know, it's not about having the sex. It's really about pleasuring and that aspect in that whole space of, of turning on either yourself or a partner, for example. Yeah. And that's why I've been trying to say self-seduction more. Mm -hmm. So people understand when they come,
come to healing through seduction, we are not going to discuss what you can do to please other people. What feels good to you? How often are you sitting with yourself? Do you have the courage to sit with your thoughts? Do you have mm -hmm. the courage to seduce yourself by being bored? Mm -hmm. What I mean by that is to just be silent. Maybe, yeah. you know, watch the trees and the leaves go, you know, from side to side. Like instead of always feeling we have to overstimulate ourselves and something always needs to be done. And as a woman in particular, it's like, and as a woman, I have to do all of these things and I've got to be strong and I have to be sexy and I got to do all these things. And yeah, there's a disconnect there. Yeah. And I think to a certain degree, some people would say, okay, burlesque is performance and it is for entertainment. But then when they think about self-seduction or they think about anything that might be of pleasure to themselves, there tends to be this inherent guilt or shame that comes up. And it might be from religion. It might be sinners and saints. Oh. It might be the Madonna horror complex. It could be all of those things that are just in our subconscious and that we have been programmed to believe internally about ourselves that I think causes some people to feel uncomfortable or, oh, this is taboo. This is something that I can't do. Is that something that you've seen as well? Absolutely. When people come to me, religion plays a huge part in their unwillingness to be seen by themselves because again, you know, regardless, I think regardless of your gender, religion can be very hard, but especially if you're a woman and almost, I don't really know any religions that don't <laughs> vilify women. Yeah. I remember growing <laughs> up, it was all about, if you have an impure thought, then you better do 10 Hail Marys and yeah. you know 20 Our Fathers in order to cleanse yourself of these impure thoughts, you know? So it yeah. kind of went along that line. And I grew up Baptist and it was, we were always reminded that Eve messed up. We were always reminded of Eve's indiscretions mm -hmm. and how she did this. And we always, you know, in the South, they have the term fast tail girl. And so it's like, you know, and the deacon was seduced by the fast tail girl. And I want to say, for those who don't know, a fast tail girl is like from the age of 10 to like 18. So we're talking about children. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. But the deacon was seduced by the child. And so the child then had to get on and like, you know, ask for forgiveness, but not the grown man. You know, she mm -hmm. had to cover up. And this was something that that's why I gravitated towards healing through burlesque and self-seduction because I, you know, already had a size D at 11. I was already a D cup. Wow. And I was taught very early. Five, three, girl. Yeah. The brick house. Yeah. And so I was like taught very early to hide. I was taught that if a man in my family or outside of my family did something to me, that it was my fault. Mm -hmm. And so that's where for me, the self-seduction came in along with like internalized racism too. Like I had to learn how to like my own company, how to enjoy my body for self. And I used burlesque to change the narrative of what happened to me in my bedroom. Mm -hmm. Wow. So now over the years, I mean, I've seen a lot of rising of body empowerment and sensuality classes. There's now belly dancing classes and pole dancing classes and Tantra and Kundalini and the list goes on. But I honestly haven't seen very many in burlesque. So I'm curious, what is it about burlesque that you think brings something new to the table? Is it music? Is it costume play? Is it more than that? I think it's everything. You know, one of the 
things, I have nine principles and I'll just go through a few on how I heal through burlesque and how I teach people to heal through burlesque. One, especially if you are a woman of color, glamour. Glamour is your birthright. So using the way we can play in burlesque and, you know, build these alter egos, or for me, I don't have a persona. I'm just finally allowed to be myself. But putting on a gown for no reason, when you come to my class, I tell everyone to wear lingerie. As you can see, I'm in lingerie right now. This is my uniform for work. So we want to think about glamour being a way to heal. Because again, when you incorporate glamour, you also can tap into your inner child and your inner diva. And that is so important for people, especially for women of color who have not had as many beautiful representation on TV saying that you're allowed to be glamorous just for the fun of it. You know, I grew up a lot of times when it was a glamorous Black woman, she was a prostitute, (laughs) you know, for TV representation. It wasn't like she was just glamorous to be, right? And the other thing we want to think about with burlesque, you're also able to redefine intimacy Mm -hmm. because again, that goes back into if you are performing or if you're in one of my classes, the first thing I'm going to ask is that you look at me and I'm going to look at you. So we have that intimacy with just the eye contact, right? Mm-hmm. Which is amazing. And the other thing too, that I think what makes people click when they do burlesque as a healing modality, is you want to dance your way to self-love. Everyone knows, regardless of what type of dancing it is, that's why you see so many videos on Instagram and YouTube and TikTok of people being uninhibited when they dance. Now, unfortunately, most of them can't get there without liquid encouragement, <laughs> substance. True. And I'm saying you don't need that. All you need is yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's that promise of being uninhibited in a communal healing setting mm-hmm. that that's why it clicks for people mm-hmm. because and a lot of people want to be extra they want to be extra they want a place to be extra and that is with me <laughs> I love the tapping into your inner diva I think that is brilliant and you know back when I was growing up I had heard the term black exploitation. I yeah. mean I think that that was a very common thing 70s 80s you know and yeah. And so do you hear about people being like, oh, you're encouraging it? Or do you hear people saying like, this isn't helping? Like, what would you say to people who are like, this is something that's like feeding into some negative aspects of what Black power really stands for? Oh, darling, here we go. Here ah, we go. Here we we got to get into that. We got to get into that. <laughs> because I appreciate the question and I'm going to be very transparent. Some of the saddest moments I've had performing have been looking at Black women in the audience raise my white counterparts. I mean, they are just enamored with them. And then mm-hmm. I come out and I've even had Black women turn their back to me mm-hmm. while I was performing. Girl. It is so traumatizing mm-hmm. to be out there and it's okay for my white counterparts. They can be glamorous. They can be sexy. They can be sensual. And I get out there and you're ashamed to see me. Mm-hmm. And I've had conversations with some Black people, even Black performers who, when I was doing a tribute to Josephine Baker, I did do the banana skirt. And, you know, it was like, oh, you're cooning like how could you and I had to remind them right but she put on that banana skirt for a reason just as I am and so it's about being okay and being open with being liberated and honoring whatever the story is that you want to tell Mm -hmm. and so for a lot of them their issue black women sometimes when they see other black women doing burlesque yeah they feel like it's we're not being modest you know we need to think about the black church we need to think about the black family and for me I always bring up the fact that what about before we were brought here. Mm. What about the time before we were introduced to Christianity? And keep in mind, Christianity was introduced to our ancestors that were slaves. And I want to make sure that I 
say that, that we're slaves. That is not where our lineage begins, everybody. Mm -hmm. I just want to make that very clear. The ancestors that were slaves, they were taught Christianity to keep them enslaved, to say that, and it is in the Bible. Mm -hmm. It is in the Bible. So you have these enslaved people and then you teach them to praise your God. But the gods and deities we had before this were glamorous women like Oshun, Mm -hmm. topless, dancing freely, Mm -hmm. being served, Mm -hmm. being worshipped. And so I always ask them, well, what about that part of our history? Don't you think our ancestors deserve for their religious beliefs to still be alive within us? To me, burlesque is also about connecting to your ancestors, especially if you're a person of color, because Mm -hmm. all people of color, we heal through movement unless we have been introduced to Christianity. I want everyone to ponder on that. Yes, yes. I think that there's a lot and probably for another podcast on the whole aspect of Christianity and the distortions that have happened with religion and power and whether it be enslavement or just any kind of domination or control over another, it usually was something that people lean towards religion or some sort of system in order to drive that forward. And so I want to thank you for all the things that you've gone through, number one. And I feel like the women who were in the audience, seeing you as a reflection of them, it made them uncomfortable. You could tell that that was a trigger for them. It had less to do about you and your performance and your self-expression than it did with their own discomfort with where their boundaries are and where their soul really wanted to go and their inability to do that because of the boxes that they have put themselves in, right? And so I think that the teachings that you have are really really profound, really important in order for people to just, you know, whether you're black, white, brown, yellow, it doesn't matter. It's like there are opportunities for us to really tap into ourselves in bigger, better ways. And why not make it fun? Why not make it wonderful? Why not do it with some style and some pizzazz? Why the heck not? You know, that's what (laughs) I say. And I must say, I want to add one last thing to that. And that's why it's important for me to be visible and all the other black and brown and yellow and biracial performers. You know, what I will say is that I am starting to see different sex conferences, different like polyamorous talks. They're bringing in Black burlesque performers. And now, you know, people in the Black community and the Brown community, they are starting to, you know, accept Mm -hmm. that this is good for the community. Mm -hmm. It is not taking away. We're not harlots. We're not, you know, a part of the agenda. You know, this is, this is good. Like you said, for all races, everyone needs to see all genders be in a position to have control over their bodies. Yeah, yeah. And not only that, but I mean, you founded an award-winning dance company, the House of Noir, and you also debuted the Noir pageant. And this is the only burlesque pageant dedicated to uplifting the BIPOC community through healing events. And so, I mean, you are living proof of the way that this can touch lives. Can you tell me what it was like putting on this pageant and what really inspired you to do it? So my own life and trauma, like all things, anything that I do, it's always love letter to myself that I can change the narrative. So in 2009, I became the first Black woman of this generation to receive a Queen of Burlesque title. Unfortunately, the white producer didn't think I had the right look. And I knew him for years. Um, And no one was expecting me to win. Mm -hmm. They were expecting Dita Von Teese's mentor and friend, Catherine Delish, to win. She's an icon and legend in our community. I was expecting her to win. And I won. And even though I won, it was her face on all the promo. She received all of the press. And then I was just kind of erased from the competition archives. And I waited about 10 years to see 
see if any black brown performers would do it. I just kept waiting and kept waiting. And that same competition, he led like a Nazi kind of act in. And I said, okay, this... That's enough now. And I made the announcement and it was really beautiful because a lot of people were like, yes, finally something that's going to be just for us. And it was heartbreaking too, because there were also some black performers that felt like we already have a white competition called the Burlesque Hall of Fame. And everyone is wanting, as people of color, they want to take over that space, which is an important fight as well. But my thing is, but if we have our own, then we don't have to take over their space. (laughs) We just have our own. So I created this pattern for us secured a 15 city international tour which is not a thing secured over 30 sponsors including mac cosmetics mm-hmm. and then we got the announcement that there's a virus out here <laughs> So we were all freaking out, but people, because it was historic, people still got on the plane. And right as everyone arrived, New York, we got the message that we were going to shut down in three days. So I actually had the last large event before the world shut down. Oh my gosh. No pressure there. No pressure at all. No pressure. And I plan on bringing it back, but I'm waiting. Like a lot of burlesque is still going on, but I just, I don't want to party with a mask on. I don't want us worrying about touching each other. I want us to act a fool. So I'm waiting to do that. And I was really proud because everyone from the House of Noir, um, I made history with this dance company as well. We became the best large group for Burlesque Hall of Fame. And it's a family. I was really inspired by the movie Paris is Burning Mm -hmm. and the houses and Willie Ninja in particular. And, you know, just kind of feeling like an orphan myself and a lot of artists do. We usually make our own family. And so the House of Noir is still intact. I'm still connected to all of my daughters and all of them, they were either judges or they crowned the winners for the noir pageant. So it was really beautiful. Oh my goodness. It sounds incredible. And one of my daughters pointed it out. She's like, you are Josephine Baker because I have my own rainbow tribe as well. Ooh, nice. I have all these burlesque children all over the world. I love that. And not only that, I mean, I want to applaud you for helping to change the narrative as a strong Black woman. And for those that may not have arrived at this self-actualization that you have, what would you want to say to Black women who are living their lives and may actually still be in the shadow or may still, you know, be feeling like they can't fully express themselves? I want to say to Black women, please come forward realizing that everything that is popular, it's because they're imitating us. Mm-hmm. I would dare say even burlesque. There, you know, burlesque brings in fans and headpieces. I think of indigenous people when I see that. When I see certain type of fan movement, I think of beautiful Asian people and their culture. And when I see all these hips and corsets manipulating your body, I think of black women and the history of corsets and bustles and all of that. You know, these were white women trying to imitate black women. Mm-hmm. And so I would say to remember that, to remember that even though a lot of times we are told we're not desirable or too loud or we're too this and that but we are always imitated and the other thing is please trust that we have been scammed we are more than our pain and our pain I want us to stop believing that that's a badge of honor I want us to redefine what it means to be a strong black woman a strong woman a strong person be strong by sitting the heck down be strong by saying no when you really need to be strong by resting you can do more for your community when you pour into yourself you know that's how you you prevent burnout. Mm-hmm. And the last thing is think about self-seduction because you are also more than just your body for someone else. Mm, absolutely.
Absolutely. You know, I actually was a long time ago when I was reading Eckhart Tolle, Power of Now, and he's talking about pain bodies mm. and the fact that, you know, people who had been enslaved or people who had been generations and large sets of people talk about like, you know, the, the Jewish, uh, you know, with Auschwitz and the Nazis and all. like there are massive, massive amounts of people of classes of people that are have gone through so much trauma and those pains are passed down from generation to generation they they continue to live on and how do you break free of that how do you essentially say you know what the past is in the past i'm going to learn how to forgive i'm going to honor the past and my ancestors for what they've been through but i am going to live my life forward i'm going to not be so offended when i hear certain things being said to me when it might be out of ignorance or it might be out of just you know people not understanding what i've been carrying inside this burden and this load that i've been carrying on but what is it that you because i know you're a very spiritual person and i know that there's a lot that you bring to the table not just the dancing and the fans and the glam but you know what is it that can really help to get down to that part where we can release and let go of those pain bodies that have been burdening us for generations oh my goodness really allowing ourselves to tap into that pleasure so don't wait on thanksgiving to pull out that china you know take that bath teach your children the importance of giving you your time especially if it's a boy so if he's a heterosexual he understands that his wife should not be at his beck and call you know actually slow down when you masturbate because when you do reach the certain peak of orgasm or just pleasure that is in my opinion probably one of the moments when we really are tapping into what our ancestors knew how to do without sex which is truly be uninhibited truly let go truly be closer to whatever entity created the action and created us for whatever purpose we were created for. So it's honoring moments of pleasure. And again, going back to not being married to the idea of your worth is associated with your pain. Yeah, it's not about the suffering. It's about about the liberation. You know, it's not about the slavery. It's about the liberation. It's like, you know, it's like celebrate the fact for a moment that you're free. Celebrate. And these are things that you can do that help to cultivate a life and manifest a life of beauty and fun and pleasure. But, you know, let that really sink in. Let that, you know, be something that is your birthright and that can carry forth to your kids and everybody else that you progenerate from here on out. Absolutely. And especially taking time to think about glamour being your birthright, especially for Black people. Again, we, what were we before we were taken? If you look at, there's all these beautiful bright colors, there's all these ceremonies. Mm-hmm. And, and so in incorporating more glamour into your life. You know, I was brought up being told, you know, black girls don't wear red lipstick. Put on that red lipstick, honey. Put on the red lipstick. It couldn't look more fabulous than on dark skin. I think so too. (laughs) This skin is like all of these things. And also, unfortunately too, in order to be liberated, there has to be a moment of honoring that not had shackles on. Yeah. So there has to be a moment, again, in order to love who I am now. I love being a dark skinned black woman, but I first had to acknowledge that I didn't. Mm-hmm. So th- there has to be this acknowledgement, mm-hmm. the role we play in our own trauma and pain. Mm-hmm. And then we have to be strong enough to divorce ourselves from people or places that bring us pain. Like for me, in order to do the work that I do, I wake up every day and purposely decide to be a motherless child. Even though my mom is alive, I cannot connect with her and do this work because she cannot do anything but be abusive. She mm-hmm. can't, she doesn't know how to connect with her kids without manipulation, without 
abuse okay. and she just can't do it. So then it's unfortunately up to me and there are family members that don't agree with that. And so I have limited access to my full family, but mm -hmm. I'm as happy as I can be and I can show up and do my work. So yeah. I want to say it's not going to be easy, but it will be rewarding. Yeah. That is such an important point that you bring up is that not everybody will accept you for you. And that's okay. Even if it is your own mom, even if it is yeah. your own siblings, yeah. you know, sometimes you just have to realize that those are the boundaries that you set up for yourself in order to be fully actualized as your own happy soul being and doing what it was intended to do on this earth. And that's nobody else's business but yours. Absolutely. And we want to just reiterate that we are more than our pain, everyone. Yeah. That we have to stop letting that be our badge of honor. Final note, Mama Pearl, who are some of your biggest role models? Well, I must say, I feel so proud that I can say so many people. I'm definitely inspired by you and the work that you are doing. Of course, we love Josephine Baker. But I would say right now, my coach, Rachel Rogers, she has a program called We Should All Be Millionaires. And this is a Black woman that's saying, hey, other Black women, we should be millionaires. And even if you are, you know, like she's helping me understand that even though I I'm doing healing work. I've been called to offer this and curate it because we have this thing where it's like, oh, well, people, I want to pay you a dollar for your service to like drain your body to help me heal myself today. But, you know, I'll pay $2,000 for dinner and a bottle of champagne. But for you, you get a dollar. <laughs> and so she's teaching me to understand that it doesn't matter if I've been called to curate healing workshops. I should also be compensated the same price that people will pay other kind of coaches. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, she is really inspiring to me. I'm also really inspired by all of my daughters in the House of Noir. They make me brave. And mm -hmm. I'm inspired by my brother who was born when I was 15 and he was born to heal me. And mm -hmm. yeah, I could go on and on, but those are the people right now that, that stick out. Beautiful. Oh my goodness. Pearl Noir, I could probably talk to you for hours more. <laughs> Seriously, you're just a ball of energy and just so much love and so much glam, so much fabulousness in one body. Thank you so much for being a role model. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm sending love and light, beautiful healing light to everyone. Pow. Pow. <laughs>